Second time's a charm. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another Thursday evening. Well, for you, Friday morning. Well, Thursday night, yes, by the time this comes out. Depends on Thursday. how late you stay up. I'm yeah. Bay. And I'm Jay. And this is the part I don't I get. get. I think this is episode 33, oh, correct? Yes, it's my, it's, it's, it's my age. Oh, is it really? Oh, that's right. It is. Yes. Yay. I, you know what? I missed that. Last time it was my age. Oh, too bad. Shucks. <laughs> You're just not as great. How you doing? Huh? How you doing? Not bad. Not bad. Um, George and I actually, I thought it made me think of one of your, your podcast or your podcast um, topics. Uh, George and I were watching a, a movie on Netflix called The Platform very disturbing. Oh, movie. I saw that. It's in another language. I wanted yes. to watch it, but I didn't know if I was mentally ready for it right now. Well, I had to leave the room because oh, not only really? does a dog die, but a dachshund. <laughs> Which for our fans is, is one of your previous animals was a dachshund. Yes. I so how that would pull it. Your really, it's really messed up, but there is um, some cannibalism in there. So um, that's imagine. your your topic. So did your fiance want to watch that or was it your choice? Yeah, that, he chose it. In fact, it's <laughs> still on right now to hear random screaming in the background. That's, <laughs> that's what that is. I wouldn't think that that would be like on top on his list, but um, it's in Spanish, right? Yeah, we, we okay. just put subtitles on. You yeah. can get it dubbed, but I don't like the dubbing because it's never... Eh, I, I just never... I can never choose. I always go back and forth between the dub and then the subtitle. I, I'm like, oh, let's try this out. I mean, oh, they, they both this. have their pros and cons. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. I like hearing their actual voices, but then I like to not read, you know, so there's For some- For me, I can't get over the mismatch of what their slips yeah. are doing versus what you're hearing. I know, it, it, is, it is painful, yeah. So I see you got your nails done. Oh yeah, I I uh, painted them myself as it, you know, it looks good from yeah with the zoom filter that I've got going on you know because that's the kind of thing the zoom is that it makes you look <laughs> so much Beautiful. better than in real life because it's all like slightly fuzzy. Oh, don't but, um, don't sell yourself short. You ready for this? You ready? Oh, there you go. Of that sound, ASMR folks. I have to do it every time because I love that sound. Brings me back to childhood there. when my mother would allow me the few, few white sodas. We weren't allowed to have caffeine. So I think that it just like resonates with me, you know, that sound of the, of the can. That was like every day for me. So I definitely, you know, still got a good feeling. Whose <laughs> turn is it? I was trying to remember. I think it's, I think I go first. I honestly don't remember. Um, I'm cool with that if you want to go first. Go I did last week I did flat earthers and I think you did go last. Yeah. So it is your turn. You're right. Okay, great. Doesn't matter to me anyway. You're going first regardless. So Oh yeah, because did you do the um weird the weird people I have a relationship? Objectum. Objectophilia. 
Yeah, yeah, with the with the uh, Ferris wheel lady. <laughs> <laughs> so lay it on me. All right. So lay my topic is one. is pretty like it's it's kind of just a random little easy lighthearted one. I I just looked up um, some some of the weirdest like town and city names in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> Just keeping it, keeping it cash. <laughs> we have some, we have some near here that are quite interesting. Yes, apparently. Um, so I, I found an article from, it's called, uh, from mentalfloss.com, the funniest town names in all 50 states. So I got one for every state. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'll just, and some of it, it gives some history, but, um, you know, if it's interesting, I'll keep it in, but. Okay. So Alabama, um, there's a town called Screamer. Um, it comes from the fact that the 19th century Native Americans used to loudly heckle white train travelers as they passed by what was then a reservation. Um, they also said the screaming could have been referred to the noise made by local bears, panthers, and wildcats. So Panthers scream? Uh, apparently. Well, I mean, they roar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I love her fake little claws that she put on. <laughs> yeah, so I, I like the heckling more. <laughs> hey, white whitey, <laughs> white boy. <laughs> um, there is a place in Alaska called Unalaska. <laughs> Are they Unalaskan there? Um, well, it started out. It was named. God, I'm not gonna be able to say this. Aganalakash. A word that means near the peninsula, um, but as Russian fur traders arrived, the spelling morphed into Unalaska, which eventually became Unalaska. <laughs> well, that sounds right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in Arizona, there is a place called Y W H Y. It was named after um, the U.S.-Mexico border, um, which is a Y-shaped intersection of two nearby <laughs> highways. Um, but because by Arizona law, um, you have to have at least three letters, they made it the word Y instead of the letter. Okay. Why? So they, they showed them, they're like, well, we'll figure out a way to still make it, to make it work. <laughs> um, smack over Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> so it came from uh, the French name for the local creek, Chemin Couvert, which means covered way, and then Sumac Couvert, meaning a covering of sumac trees. So I guess that, I don't know how that turned into smack over, but you know, the Americans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in California, there's a place called Rough and Ready. <laughs> um, this town was the first to succeed from the Union secede not succeed secede from the <laughs> union <laughs> and become its own republic in 1850 as a protest against mining taxes um prohibition mandates and laws that weren't enforced um so they were kind of known as the rebellious uh, town um but it was short-lived but residents still pay homage to the rough and ready spirited past with a celebration on the last saturday in june okay uh, no name, Colorado. I've uh, heard of that one. Okay, I feel like I have too. Um, initially, they just put a sign there when they were like um, constructing a an exit, um, and and then you know it was like a placeholder. But then um, everyone just started calling it No Name, so they just kept it. 
and yeah. they even have a um, no name tunnel, no name creek, and no name hiking trail. <laughs> <laughs> um, Connecticut, there is a Hazardville, um, but it's just it's just named after Colonel Augustus George Hazard. Okay, <laughs> so nothing too cool here. All right, I know we got some Delaware fans. Uh, Corner Catch is an unincorporated community in Newcastle County, Delaware. That's where I went to, to Cali. Woo. Uh, it got its name from a rough and tumble local bar whose patrons were so quarrelsome that townspeople would warn strangers, they'll catch ye at the, the corner. <laughs> they'll catch ye at the corner. They'll catch ye at the corner. Um, corner. It's so weird, like, thinking that people spoke that way. <laughs> catch ye at the corner um there's a place in florida called two egg um two egg. yeah it's got its name during the great depression um according to the the tales there's two young boys who were strapped for cash so they paid a local shopkeeper for sugar by giving them two eggs and this became like a a regular business transaction and so it kind of just caught on as it, it started out as a two egg store and then it turned in the, the whole city or town. Um, this is a good one. Climax, Georgia. <laughs> but oh, it's not what you gosh. think, okay? Get your mind out of the gutter. Good um, it got its name because <laughs> it, it sits at the highest point on the railroad between Savannah and the, oh God, Chattahoochee River. <laughs> All right. Chattahoochee. What's that? You've never heard of the Chattahoochee before? No, I have not. That's I've awesome. heard of it. It's in like some country song. So oh, that's course. why. Of course. A Chattahoochee River. <laughs> I don't think that's what it sounds like. Banjo. Um big shot there's a volcano hawaii i wonder what that's named after <laughs> <laughs> i'm surprised i made it to the list it doesn't seem to be that extraordinary but maybe um, there are just normal names in hawaii and that was the only yeah that's not maybe that was the only yeah and you, you know yeah you got to be careful of any cultural appropriation with like certain places you know yeah or, like offending people um, there is a Slick Poo, Idaho. <laughs> Slick Poo. Um, originally the site of a Catholic mission, it was said to have been gifted to the missionaries by a land landowner, Josiah Slick Poo. Um, there is Sandwich, Illinois. Okay, I think I've heard of that one mean, too. That's just another one. Um, uh, let's see. Named after its hometown of Sandwich, New Hampshire. Wait. Originally called Almond after land developer Almond Cage, when it was founded in 1855, Sandwich got its name when a train stop liaison named it after his hometown. Okay. So somebody just named it after another place called Sandwich. The town holds a sandwich festival annually. <laughs> I wonder if they just have a bunch of sandwiches. That makes sense. Oh I'm my gosh, go. that's my kind of festival. Right? Oh my god, that <laughs> is your kind of festival. You love your your like your chicken sandwiches. I love sandwiches. Gotta have the ranch. Yes. <laughs> gotta have the ranch. <laughs> 
Um, I think you've probably heard of this because I feel like I've heard of it. Santa Claus, Indiana. No. Um, oh, oh okay. is, that the, is that the place where they send the letters? Yes. Maybe that's why it sounded so familiar. I mentioned it on a uh, previous episode. The town's first name in Santa Fe in 1896 when the town wanted to secure it. Yeah. Um, on, the, on the holiday one, right? Yeah. Um, let's see. When the town wanted to secure a post office, you're breaking official up. Officials told, breaking up, Jay. told it to pick another name since Santa Fe was already taken. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Can you okay. hear me? Uh, yeah, it was like <laughs> cut out for a second, but. All right. Sorry, guys. You guys will have to bear with us on this technicalities here. Keep going. Yeah. Did I repeat myself? Go for it. Okay. Um, so as the story goes, in 1896, when the town wanted to secure a post office, postal officials told it to pick another name since Santa Fe was already taken. So someone thought Santa Claus was an acceptable alternative. And the post office agreed. To their dismay, children began mailing letters to Santa Claus, Indiana with regularity. <laughs> I like that me? story. That's so okay. cute. I know. Um, there's, in Iowa, there's a place called What Cheer? <laughs> um, let's see. I don't know why I feel, I find that very funny. <laughs> W-H-A-T, cheer, like cheers the bar and the show? Like the word what and the word cheer. Okay. What's yeah. What's yeah, like, like, what cheer is that, you know? Um, they think it's, it's named after an old English greeting. Um, okay. Like what good it cheer? Has six months. I it, yeah, I guess like cheers, mate. <laughs> has about 600 residents uh, and hosts a seasonal flea market and musical events at its opera house. Super exciting. Uh, there's a gas Kansas. Um, got its name when natural gas was discovered in the area. (laughs) Bug Tussle, Kentucky. Bug Uh, Tussle. (laughs) Because of the local bug population. Um, The town's oldest residents say that when when workers helped out during the harvest, they would sleep in barns on hay that was infested with doodle bugs. Uh, legend has it that the workers stayed so long that the bugs grew big enough to tussle for the prime napping spots. <laughs> <laughs> Fight. Okay. Fight. Fighting a, a bug for a nap spot. <laughs> there is a burnt porcupine mane. Um, it is, uh, an island off the coast of Maine, um, located near Bar Harbor and Acadia National Park, for those of you who know geography, uh, <laughs> Porcupine has nearly, has nearby sister islands with equally intriguing names, bald porcupine, long porcupine, and sheep porcupine. Okay, well, it doesn't really tell us why it's named that, but whatever. Um, and for Maryland, uh, there's Boring Maryland, which I had not heard of. I haven't heard of that Have either. You heard? Oh, okay. So it's in um it's in Baltimore. 
County because I looked it up. Um, so it's like, I think it's like maybe 45 minutes from here or so. Okay. Um, so let's see. Oh, it was named after someone named Boring. Yeah. It was initially Fairview, but there were a lot of other Fairviews. So when a post office was established in the village in 1880, the Postal Service requested a rename. Residents voted to honor their first postmaster, David J. Boring. Uh, in Massachusetts, there's Belchertown, um, <laughs> and it's named after Jonathan Belcher, a uh, colonial governor. There's a Hell, Michigan. Um, I've heard of that one. Yeah, I feel like I've heard of that one too. Um, so it's named after a saying, basically in the 1830s, um, the town settler George Reeves made a deal with local farmers to trade his homemade whiskey for the grain they grew. When the farmer's wives knew their husbands were off dealing with Reeves, they were known to remark, he's gone to hell again. And the name stuck. <laughs> All right, this, this is one of my favorites, Nimrod, Minnesota. <laughs> um, let's see. It's the hometown of Dick Stigman, a pro baseball player who pitched for the Minnesota Twins and a bunch of other teams. Uh, it's a biblical reference in the book of Genesis. Nimrod is described as a highly, I'm sorry, a mighty hunter before the Lord and is credited with overseeing the construction of the Tower of Babel. I think it's a Hebrew name too. Oh, is it? I, I think just always so. think of like, like when you're insulting someone, Nimrod. <laughs> I am pretty sure it's an insult as well, but I also think it's a name because I remember seeing like driving on, <laughs> driving and seeing like signs for like Nimrod, blah, 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 which was like an attorney at law or something like that, <laughs> or like an accountant, sure. like some like really like, you know, fancy job. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never met a single person with that name before. It looked legitimate. It didn't look like it was a joke. So I'm pretty sure it's a name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know why anyone would make up a name and put it on this, on advertisements, but hey, weirder stuff has happened. Um, in Mississippi, there's a place called Hot Coffee. It was named in the 1800s, advertising that he had the best hot coffee around, and he used spring water to brew um the New Orleans beans and then sweeten the drink with molasses uh, drippings. Come full circle. <laughs> Back to the old molasses. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's another good one. Um, Tightwad, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, there's a lot of legends about what exactly where the name came from, but um, it's traced back to a postmaster who was upset with a cheapskate watermelon farmer who sold a promised melon out from under him for an extra 50 cent profit. But these days, the main draw to this tiny town in central Missouri is its bank. Um, customers from all over the country open accounts here just to be able to send checks with the Tightwad logo on them. <laughs> wow. All right. I, I could see myself doing something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a Prey, Montana. Um, 
And that's actually named after a person, one of the representatives at the time when it was founded. Not after, you know, the act of praying. There's a magnet, Nebraska. Um, that one of the settlers uh, was at was tasked with naming it. He wanted an attractive name for the community, um, so he called it Magnet. <laughs> attract them like magnets. It's got a whole seventy-five residents, so I don't think that trick worked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine living in a town? population 75 <laughs> well when we were talking about the storm area 51 like the the t little town that they were having their little oh, festival in was like that and they only had like a gas station and that was it <laughs> uh, and then the, the little motel so i thought of it then i was i just can't even imagine how far do you have to drive to get groceries yeah or like you know what i mean like do you just have to date somebody in the town <laughs> Or jobs, I guess. I don't know. I mean, that's like a whole, you gotta plan a whole day around getting groceries, you know? Yeah. Or maybe they just have a little market there or something. Maybe they just grow it all their own. That's true. That's true. Amazon? <laughs> They're already social distancing. Yeah, I guess they don't have Uber. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Or it's like the one Uber driver the for the one whole guy time. in the town who's like, yeah. Couple extra bucks. <laughs> well, I guess they don't really take you, you know, there's really nowhere to go. <laughs> um, okay, so this is another favorite Jigs, Nevada. Um, it was um, named after the, I guess, the founder of the town. His son, his kids played a, um, oh no, they read a comic strip about a um irish american protagonist named jigs so like, I, I figured it had to be something irish with the word jigs but that's pretty cool um oh there's another sandwich new hampshire like we talked about <laughs> they can't put the same they couldn't find anything better well, they probably didn't know about the other sandwich that's true the fourth earl of sandwich joe Mon montag did more than invent a lunchtime staple. In 1763, he charted a town between the Lakes region and the White Mountains of New Hampshire. So it's named after him. He found it. He found the sandwich and the town. And the town. There's a place in New. There's a place in New Jersey called Love Ladies. Just one word, Love Ladies. It was actually named after a man um did he love the ladies apparently but um boom <laughs> oh no his name was thomas love lady a local hunter and sportsman okay. why has it got to be a man no oh this my, my brother my brother will like this one um candy kitchen new mexico <laughs> oh, wow really yeah Is that where candy um, kitchen comes from that's what i thought but it actually doesn't have to do with like the actual store um it's a it, it got its name when a local moonshine distiller needed a front to hide their illicit operations du during prohibition wow. so, um, to secure the sugar necessary to um, get, get the stuff they needed for the moonshine. Um, they established a confectionery that produced pinion nut candy on the side. Candy Kitchen isn't the only sweet tooth locale in this neck of rural New Mexico. 
um, 85 miles down the dusty trail sits a place called Pie Town. <laughs> Do they make pies there? Well, they better. I tell <laughs> you, if, I'm, if I'm going to Pie Town, I'm, I'm not leaving without a pie, okay? Yeah. I wonder if, but I wonder if that is where the candy kitchen, the store was, if that somehow was derived from that as well. Who knows? Um, there's a Never Sink New York. That's kind of a tongue twister. Never Sink New York. Uh, named for the Never Sink River, the longest tributary of the Delaware River. Um, I hope that a river wouldn't sink. <laughs> that's just, you're just dooming yourself. <laughs> you know? Once you say something's not going to sink, that's when that's it does. True. Never say never. Uh, uh, there's a why not North Carolina. Just It's one word. Why not? <laughs> um, this is around 1860. Residents living in the uh, heart of central North Carolina had no name for their home, but when the United States Post Office planned to put down roots in the area, the townspeople convened to decide on a name. Um, the debate ensued and people said, why not this name? Why not that name? Uh, and then finally, somebody just said, let's just call it why not and go home. <laughs> They're like, okay. They just tired each other out. Cannonball, North Carolina gets its name from a battle. Oh no, not from a battle, but from a geological curiosity called concretions. Millions of years ago, sediment naturally cemented around plants or shells in the Peace Garden state and hardened into rock forming unusually perfect spheres that resembled cannonballs. What state is that? Uh, North Dakota. The Peace Garden state, is that what they're known for? What? Oh, oh, oh. Apparently. I guess so. Peace garden. I don't even know what that what means. What is a peace garden? It's a good question. <laughs> it's a garden where you are very peaceful. Apparently. I know. I didn't know. I don't know. When I picture North Dakota, I just picture like bears. cold. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture something above Mount Rushmore. Because Mount Rushmore's in South Dakota. Uh, okay. The the uh, the less popular brother of South of the Dakotas. <laughs> uh, let's see. There's a Knockham Stiff, Ohio. <laughs> uh, no one can quite pinpoint when the town of Knockham Stiff acquired its odd name. When you say it fast like that, it doesn't sound as weird. Knock 'em stiff. Knock 'em stiff is a great Knock word. Stiff. Knock 'em stiff. And it's all one word again. It's just <laughs> they just like maybe it's maybe it's like easier to make it one word, so they just put everything together. Um, but there were it was known for uh, a lot of bar brawls, moonshine, and other types of delinquency, according to this <laughs> article. Uh, so I think that's kind of where it came from. Um, one of the one of the origin tales uh, says that um, when approached by a woman, a preacher was approached by a woman asking him how to keep her cheating husband home and faithful. The preacher responded simply, "Knock him stiff." <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, let's see. Oh, sorry, my computer is uh, being weird. There's Jean Autry, Oklahoma. That's a person, right? Yeah, but it's also the name of a town. Uh, it's named after the famous singing cowboy. Um, he came to town and purchased a 1,200-acre ranch that he would turn into the headquarters of his flying-a-ranch rodeo. Um, let's see. So it was Berwyn, and then it became Gene Autry. Though Autry sold the Flying A Ranch after World War II, the town that bears his name still recognizes the late cowboy actor with a museum and a film festival in his honor. Never heard of him. Have you heard of him? Yes. Of course okay. I have. I think uh, he's one of my, my pa's favorites. Oh, is he? Uh, yeah, I figured country, yeah. Um, Zigzag, Oregon. It's a scenic spot that rests in the middle of Mount Hood National Forest. Uh, it's named after the Zigzag Rigger, Rigger, River, <laughs> which <laughs> drains from the Zigzag Glacier. <laughs> Though the history of the name is unknown, it might be traced back to Joel Palmer, a pioneer of the Oregon Territory, who described the erratic movements needed to descend through a ravine near Mount Hood. Uh, <laughs> I've heard of this. Intercourse, Pennsylvania. I've heard of that, too. Yeah. it's Well, it's in, uh, you know, I'm going to mess it. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. No, you said it right. Yes. Okay. I really have to, I have to pause and think about it, which is very surprising considering that that's where, you know, a lot of the um, Amish live. Yeah. There's also a Blue Balls, Pennsylvania near there too. Oh, really? Oh my God. <laughs> oh, they should have done that. There's a that's lot of towns, town names in that particular area. I remember <laughs> that, that was quite interesting myself when I lived near there. <laughs> um they there's different theories but it one of the theories is that it was at the intersection of two uh major roads another theory is that um it evolved from intercourse because the town was located next to the entrance of a racetrack okay the sexual meaning of the word didn't come into popular use until the late 18th century <laughs> <laughs> um oh yeah it mentions blue ball in here uh, less than 20 minutes up the road. It's named after the 1850s in. Uh, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. I don't really find that that interesting. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was known as the most French city in the United States. Um, but during the Depression era, uh, three quarters of Woonsocket's residents were French-Canadian descent. By the 2000 census, that number has dipped to 46.1%. Woonsocket, though, does not come from French. Historians agree that the town's whimsical name is corruption of a word from a Native American language, but they don't agree on the language, much less the word. So basically, they don't really know where it came from. <laughs> uh, uh, we have a friend that's going to really love this place. Ketchup Town, South Carolina. Ooh. Um. It's got its name from a country store built by Herbert Small in 1927, but not because of the condiments it sold. Every week, farmers would flock to small stores to catch up on news and gossip. Oh, so it's, but it is spelled like the ketchup that you would eat, so that's weird. Oh, okay. Um, mud, butt, 
South Dakota. <laughs> mud butt. Maybe mud butte. It's B-U-T-T-E. Okay, then it's it it is butte because that's another thing that I think about when I think of South South Dakotas. They do have buttes. Buttes are basically like imagine a solitary cliff. Imagine like a giant rock mound that has just grown out of the ground and it's huge and it's tall and it looks like a like a million times taller tree stump. Mm-hmm. That's a butte. Oh, interesting. Didn't know that was a thing. Like Devil's Tower is the most probably the most famous butte in South Dakota. Oh, so in nineteen eighty one art archaeologists digging around in Mud Butte unearthed the sixth Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton ever discovered after a local rancher finally got around to calling a museum about the dinosaur bones he'd been jutting out of a cliff on his property for years. Can somebody help me with these dinosaur bones? (laughs) (laughs) They're just getting in the way. Uh, Difficult Tennessee. Uh, One of the theories is that the residents applied for a post office. The US Postal Service responded, your name is difficult. referring to either pronunciation, spelling, or the handwriting on the application. They took to the letters in order and accepted the name difficult. <laughs> I love it when they, when people kind of stick it to them by being like, fine. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Like, um, in, uh, um, oh my gosh, in Thanks for the Memories by Fall Out Boy, and they took out all the vowels because uh, their the record label was like, your name's too long. <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah, I think I read that somewhere. Who knows if it's real, but um, anyway, Ding Dong, Texas. <laughs> it's located in Bell County, Texas. So, um, but it's actually not because it's in Bell. It's named after um, Governor Peter Hansborough Bell. Uh, ding dong. Ding dong. Uh, Mexican Hat, Utah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> uh, it's because a 60-foot-wide sombrero-shaped rock formation on the northeast side of town. So I wonder why they didn't just call it sombrero. Could they not? Was that too long? Or they? <laughs> What's that thing called? We'll just call it Mexican Hat. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, this is interesting satan's kingdom vermont (laughs) um (laughs) the the prince of darkness evidently has franchises in massachusetts connecticut and vermont okay it it really doesn't say it doesn't say why it's named that okay i don't know how i would feel about living in a place called satan's kingdom i I know like say i would feel pleasant about it I know it's probably one of the things that just you just don't even notice anymore. Yeah, you just kind of you just get used to it, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just outside Satan's, to the left of Satan's. <laughs> yeah, just take a ride into Satan's kingdom. <laughs> one of the lesser kingdoms, <laughs> right under the uh, Devil's Den. <laughs> um, in Virginia, there's a place called. It's either Bumpus, I'm assuming, but it looks oh, like... Oh, it's Bumpass, because remember we had 
an Uber driver who lived there. Oh, yeah. But this says it's pronounced Bumpus. Oh, no, no, no. Wait. She, I remember she's like, I live in a place called Bumpass. <laughs> and she, like, showed it to us on the map while she was driving. She, like, pulled it up on her phone. And we were like, uh, should you be looking at your phone? <laughs> like, do you want me to hold that? <laughs> well, yeah, this pronounced, this isn't Bumpus. But maybe she was just, you know, exaggerating for comedic reasons. Uh, there's a place in Washington... Uh, Washington State called Hump Tulips. <laughs> Just one word. <laughs> hump Tulips. It's located 25 miles north of Aberdeen. Um, it was once a major logging center. Today it's better known for its unusual name, which comes from a local Native American word meaning hard to pull. It's a reference to the nearby Hump Tulips River. That's probably how it's really said. Hump Tulips which uh, Native Americans used to canoe by propelling themselves along with poles. Um, it's mentioned in the books, another popular roadside attraction by Tom Robbins and The Long World by Sir Terry Pratchett. So they're nice and famous. Uh, have you heard of Lick Fork, West Virginia? No, I have not. Do they like to lick their forks? <laughs> it's likely named for a nearby salt lick, which was probably more appealing to horses and wild animals than humans. Oh, okay. They eat out of salt licks. Okay. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But I don't know how the fork got in there, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Bosstown, Wisconsin. It was, uh, reportedly takes his name from William Henry Dosh, nicknamed Boss. Dosh was sick as a boy, and he got so used to the attention he received while ill that he later became rather bossy with his family. <laughs> Uh, Chugwater, Wyoming. Um, was once the territory of the Mandan tribe, whose chief was reportedly injured during a buffalo hunt and was sent to his son to lead the hunting party in his place. The son determined that the easiest way to kill the buffalo was to drive them off the local chalk cliffs. The word chug um, is said to describe the noise of the the buffalo or the falling chalk made when it hit the ground <laughs> or fell into the water under the bluff. Okay, that's depressing. <laughs> that took uh, an eerie turn. <laughs> well, and that, that, that was it. That's all 50. Did you name all 50? Yep. Well, just one town in each, but yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, they, I they didn't put um, DC in there. It's not a state, I guess. You know, they didn't do uh, Guam or Puerto Rico either. Yeah, that's that's very rude. <sighs> you know, you get what you get. And yeah. you get upset. <laughs> I feel like we should do, you know, when we do our first tour, our live show. Oh, yeah, sure, a live we show. Can, we can, uh, you know, go through all those places. It could be, it could be a weird, weird Specifically thing. book. <laughs> You don't know. Maybe we have fans so, in each one, including the one that only has seventy-five people. Yeah, that's the be the most entertainment. I bet you they've never had anyone stop there on a tour. That's going to make their day. <laughs> well, my topic is going to take us a little bit back to our roots of trying to have a little bit of like psychology and the way that the mind works here. 
Uh, there was tons of psychology in that. I don't know. <laughs> Usually, like, I always envy how you you always find a way to, to tie that into, like, a lot of the topics that you choose. <laughs> and, like, I just can't find ways. I mean, there was a little bit of that in my last one. But You um, always have it in yours. What are you talking about? So, I mean, sometimes you just can't, you know? Yeah, sometimes you like, cannot. That one. But the thing that I didn't get this particular week is the strange and unusual phenomenon that's starting to really occur in recent years of um, odd choices for emotional support animals. Oh, yes. And how they're really getting a little out of hand. Um, so in 2018, a Brooklyn-based artist, I say that in quotations, named Ventico, I guess is how she prefers to be preferred. Um, no one knows her true name. Uh, she tried to board a plane on a United flight in Newark, New Jersey, or Newark, New Jersey, with her emotional support peacock. Oh, I heard about that. Dexter. Interesting. <laughs> emotional support animal. Um, she had been told in advance that the peacock would not be permitted on the plane, but she took it to the airport anyway. And wow. uh, United said that the peacock did not meet size guidelines. Um, this, of course, brought like a lot of a national attention. You said that you would, yourself had heard the story before. And lots and lots of Instagram followers, too. Uh, because Dexter has his own Instagram page. Oh, I bet he right? does. Um, didn't, didn't Sebastian Montescalco talk about him in one of probably. his <laughs> favorite comedians i'm sure there are tons of comedians that have yeah. up, as well as people probably like like the daily show and, and you know like i can see this going in many a monologue he was like it was like a whole zoo <laughs> <laughs> um so ventico says that she documents dexter's life on social media he has oh. Instagram page and you can see there are pictures, and I will post them to our Instagram, of this damn peacock straight up in the middle of the airport, uh, uh, perched on a on like a baggage cart. It is the most ridiculous looking thing. This is, I don't how, know. this is how like people get sick. I mean, That's birds are point. not like That's birds are point. not something that should ever be on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she originally bought the peacock. Oh, oh, well, hold on. She said that um, he, he, meaning Dexter, has changed her life in a positive way. This is what Ventico said. She originally bought the peacock for an art installation. And this is kind of why I don't like her all that much because I don't really agree with having live animals in an art installation of any kind. I think yeah, that it's very like borders of views. I have no idea what the art installation looked like. Who knows? Maybe Dexter was super happy in this art installation, but she bought him and this little hen to be in an art installation. I just think like you could have found a different way other than having like a live animal because they don't really yeah, get take a, a picture to be mm -hmm. in it. And of all yeah. animals, it's like a peacock. It's not like it's like a like a parrot that you like have in your house or like yeah, it's not a domesticated animal. Exactly, it's it's a wilder animal. So she was unable to find a good home for the peacock, and the hen even disappeared from the home that she tried to put it in. So she ended up bringing it back to her loft in New York. Well, that's appropriate. And that's where he lives today. And he is he like friendly with her? I think so. He has become her emotional support animal. And, you know, 
and that's all she wrote on that one. Oh, wait, where did she get it originally? I'm sorry. It didn't say where, it just says oh, okay. for the art installation. And that's another thing. Like, where do you find peacocks for sale? I don't, I have no idea. So you might have also heard of Jody Smalley, who made headlines in 2015 because she tried to, well, she did successfully travel round trip from Seattle on a pre-Christmas flight home with her turkey named. Oh, e I did not hear that. An interesting name for a turkey, Easter. Um, <laughs> you know, don't be confused to eat the turkey. Um, That's true. There are pictures of Easter <laughs> on the freaking plane. It's actually quite hilarious. And like pictures of Easter looking out the window. <laughs> Wait, okay, wow. Because it's an emotional support animal, it like goes on the plane with you. Like it sits in the chair with you. So but it's not like in the cargo. It's yeah, but why Why did they let the turkey on, but not the peacock? This was a different airline, I believe. Not oh, uh, okay. Maybe it met the size requirements. <laughs> you know, turkeys don't have the same kind of length of tail. That the I would feel so bad for whoever had to sit in that other seat. <laughs> One airline says passengers have tried to board with comfort turkeys, gliding possums, uh, known as sugar gliders, snakes, spiders, and more. So what are um, the airlines doing about um, emotional support animals or ESAs as they like to be referred to? <laughs> Everything's got an acronym. Airlines have stated that the number of emotional support animals have been rising in recent years and have seen a 56% increase in one year in the number of passengers traveling with so-called emotional support animals. They believe that some people are merely just trying to take advantage of the system. Yes. I could probably agree with that. They have also seen a surge of incidents with animals with aggressive behavior, and even some people have like been bitten <gasps> by the by the emotional support animal. Yes, in 2014, a woman was escorted off U.S. Airways flight with her pig named Hobie because Hobie pooped and squealed. God forbid. <laughs> the squealing, I think, is a, is what is it a what is it a pig? Come on. <laughs> But maybe it was like excessive, but I think it pooped like in the aisle. Um, so they were like, all right. But I mean, why did we draw the line? Why did they let it even get to the plane? Right. Like, what did they think was going to happen? Exactly. No, it was going to sit there silently the whole time. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing. Like, poor Hobie. The peacock cannot be potty trained. Neither can the turtle. Yeah, that, that thing was probably shitting all over that chair. <laughs> that's so unsanitary. I know. Hello, um, it's called bird flu. <laughs> I know. So for a long time, airlines have been pretty lax about what kind of animals are allowed on planes because, to be honest, they were mainly just dogs. But after, like, the peacock incident, major airlines started to petition the Department of Transportation to allow more legal restrictions on what these emotional support animals or ESAs are allowed to even be. They use Dexter as an example of someone who's abusing the system. Now, I read a behind the scenes kind of story about the turkey and it kind of sounds like the turkey really is an emotional support animal and kind of brings that woman like a ton of joy and fulfillment. The, tur the peacock, I really feel like it's just for attention because yeah. even slightly- And it worked. She makes a living off of this thing. 
and you know she's a she's a self-proclaimed artist and she documents yeah. his life so i mean that to me seems like it's more it, about it's like shock art right yeah it's more about like instagram followers than making her happy inside mm. um i could be wrong i could be no, wrong. no i i mean from what you what you say it sounds like it so the airlines want to be um, able to require all people traveling with these animals to check in in person so that the animals can also be checked in rather than just kind of showing up at the gate with their boarding pass and trying to get on the plane. The yeah. airlines want to have the right to ask pa passengers more questions about the animals and require them to provide documentation about their vaccinations and training and things like that. Right. Important to note that there is a difference between an, an emotional support animal and a service animal or therapy animal. Service okay. animals um, are trained to perform specific tasks like a seeing eye dog, like um, the dogs that you'll see with people who have epilepsy um, or traumatic brain injuries and things like that. They're like trained to do things for that person specifically. Mm -hmm. As a result, these furry friends have more rights under the Americans with Disabilities Act. And I truly believe that they should. Right. Only service animals can really only be, I didn't know this, but service animals can only be dogs and miniature horses. What? <laughs> according to the assistant. Miniature horse? <laughs> according to the Americans with Disabilities Act, they can also be miniature horses. I would feel like a miniature horse would be slightly problematic as well. Um, the dog I'm all for, but uh, I don't know about that. I've never seen um, a, a service miniature horse. I haven't either. I, I wouldn't think they could do as much as a dog, but I don't know. I mean, maybe they're, I mean... They're kind I guess of maybe they're small. of a big dog, so maybe that's why I don't know. So emotional support animals have very little species restrictions and very little restrictions. Period. There are a lot of different laws that seem to cover emotional support animals, um, and they seem to kind of conflict with each other. Currently, the Department of Transportation requires airlines to let a huge variety of animals fly. Um, and, and never actually defines what a service animal or emotional support animal can be. So that's why people are able to get away with bringing all kinds of crazy animals like spiders and snakes and- Yeah, because there's no like set guidelines or anything. Yes. This is a relatively new thing, right? I yes. think so. Um, ironically, other federal agencies, they do define what a service animal is. And um, they, some, like the Justice Department, actually say, like, dogs only. You know, where's the miniature horse? I don't know. But I would love to see a miniature horse go into a courthouse to assist somebody. I know. I wouldn't be able to keep a straight face. That would be pretty cool. Maybe, can they ride it? They're like... <laughs> I don't think miniature horses are meant to be ridden. Um, but I just love horses, so I feel Transportation. Like um, as a result, you can't bring... Um, an emotional support peacock or iguana on a train or a bus or into a retail store, but airlines specifically are on much shakier ground. And they have, like the Department of Transportation, their writing and their rules is vague enough where people can get away with it. Um, so, oh, so she could have sued the peacock lady. Potentially. The Department of Transportation wants to change the rules to say dogs only, 
because the current federal rule seems to allow an individual passenger to travel with as many as three different support animals at once. That's um, ridiculous. And For one person? Yeah. And because of like, you know, the, the obvious reasons people don't want to go on a flight next to a peacock. Um, yes. So Mark Anton is an ESA certification licensor, and he says that he mostly issues letters um, for people that have dogs, but he said that he's also certified letters for a horse, a serval, which is like a wild cat. It's like a smaller cat, but it's bigger than a domesticated house cat, a okay. fish, a double, <laughs> yellow, a double yellow-headed Amazon parrot. Of course, I'm sorry, a double headed, like two heads. Oh, excuse me. What? Or maybe that's, I think I'm that in, mean? I think I mistyped that. A double yellow headed uh, Amazon parrot. That cannot be what it's actually called. I, like, I, I want to see that. <laughs> that. I think I probably typed that wrong. Um, so wild animals like, like a serval, um, they might require a permits all of their own to keep legally which is kind of like what you talked about in that other episode right. depending upon what state you live in but you have to consider like the potential danger factor because if there's a wild animal um being given these official certifications like should they really be in these crowded environments with lots of people right. and, children, and who knows other emotional support animals potentially um for example, Joey Henney is a proud owner of an emotional support animal, Wally, a five foot long, 60 pound alligator. Uh, Henney's oh. doctor approved Wally as an ESA gator um, as an alternative medicine to his depression. <laughs> so, I mean, no offense to Wally, but I would prefer to go to the grocery store and not run into him any. Wait, he can't bring that alligator in public, right? Well, so that's the thing. Like they, they're technically allowed to bring them in places that have these, have lax guidelines, like places that will allow them or places that um, have vague writing like airlines. So a lot of like restaurants and things like that won't allow them to come in. A lot of stores won't allow them to come in because legally they have some sort of statement that makes that possible, like the justice system does too, but not everyone does. So sometimes they can kind of find ways to get their support animal in there. Um, so what is an emotional support animal technically? Yeah, like how do you get how, how do we get one? So an emotional support animal, we know that there's a difference between them and a service animal. So an, an ESA is an animal that is needed for persons suffering from anxiety, depression, or other mental illnesses specifically. So you have to have a specific mental illness diagnosis. Yeah. So it's not like a physical thing like cerebral palsy or um, diabetes or epilepsy or... Um, quadriplegia or anything like that or being blind it's supposed it's like an emotional hence emotional support animal um anxiety depression or mental illness so they provide therapeutic support for their owners the most common type of esa is an, is a dog 
um, there is no official registry for ESAs and it is not required by law to have them registered at all. Mm -hmm. In order for your animal to be certified, um, all you need is a letter. It's called an ESA letter that is written by a licensed therapist. This is essentially a recommendation letter from your therapist. And this would allow you to bring them on the airlines. This would allow you to have a pet in a place that doesn't allow pets. Right. Like right. if you're in a, in a rental, in an apartment, and they don't allow animals, you could get an ESA letter from your okay. licensed therapist. And then your alligator is allowed to live there, you know? So it, it it's... Hence why some people abuse the system. So an, a, an ESA letter should be written by a mental health professional. Sometimes, That's me. Sometimes your primary care physician um, will not be able to really certify that animal. So they urge you to see a mental health professional. To qualify for a legitimate ESA letter, you would need to have a mental health professional that specializes in animal therapy. In an uh, ideal situation, they would know all the requirements around emotional support animals. But from what but I there are any requirements. <laughs> that's not really the case. You can pretty much get any any certified individual. Yeah, I saw a job on Indeed where it's like you get $60 per like letter where they was just looking for a a licensed therapist to write these letters. Yep. And <laughs> in reality, you technically don't even have to physically meet with a therapist in person to obtain your letter. There are several, I saw it myself when I was researching, there are websites that will help you do all of this online. I um, would not want that on my license. If, if, that, <laughs> if that animal bit somebody, that would come back on me. No, thank you. I, I'm not sure if the letter they send to you is or is not legitimate. A lot of the more like reputable websites that were trying to like, like more informational that were telling you how to do, how to get an ESA letter were yeah. suggesting not to do it that way. They were saying like, you really need to meet with someone on per in person and, and that way, like your letter will never be questioned and that you're like doing it the right way. And they were saying yeah. that there's, um, a lot of these websites that are just fraudulent. Of course, and probably just take your money. But they're still there. And then there's a lot of registries online too, which I think is kind of silly because they also take your money and it's not a thing to have them register. That's not even a requirement. So they just yeah. kind of lie and take, yeah. take your money. The problem is they don't have like a national like overseeing board. They need a board. And they need like, it's just too new, I guess. That's why there's no real laws about Probably it. Not. So an ESA letter basically just states it has your full name. It has um, the disability that you have slash mental illness. And these must be in the DSM. They must be legit. Right. Um, a statement that you are unable to perform at least one important daily activity because of said disability or mental illness and the federal regulations that protect you under that. Um, and the letter has to be dated correctly. And that's pretty much it. Ooh, that's a tough uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and the, the thing that I thought was like the worst part, so emotional support animals do not require any form of training at all. 
So they can- Yeah, that would make sense because why would an alligator be able to pass? <laughs> exactly. So, and I saw something, and now granted it was, it was Facebook, but I saw something online, um, uh, like, I don't know, I want to say it was like a year ago, talking about like this person, this uh, thing was written and the person who was writing it had a legitimate disability. They had a service animal and they were comparing like what this person that they saw's animal did versus what her animal did. And they were saying that like when people bring in these animals that are not trained, that are basically kind of like fake service animals or emotional support animals that aren't trained, it really like makes it harder for them to go where they need to be with their actual legitimate animal because like their animals don't look up, they don't bark, they just yeah. are unaware. I mean, they're aware, but they almost seem like they're unaware of everything that's going on. Yeah, they're kind of invisible. Exactly. But the animals that these people are bringing in are biting people, barking, growling, licking people, you know, like doing things that, that a service animal would be trained to not do. So it makes it harder for them to go places because people question them, you know, like, or, you know, you're not allowed to bring your dog in. That's so sad. So really sad. So, so she was basically saying like, think twice before you try and like pass off your dog as, you know, a support animal when it's right. Right. As much as I'd love to bring my animal with me into these places, I know he wouldn't behave himself. Yeah. And I I think as time goes on, these rules are going to be cut tighten up a little because people are going to start or already are getting hurt i'm sure getting bitten or yeah well hobie defecated yeah <laughs> oh silly hobie <laughs> but that was pretty much it i thought it was uh, just like a cute little yeah that's a really that is something i've always kind of been curious about because you know working at the hospital we um basically like we were told we can't we can't turn down like any service animals and we can't yeah. ask for documentation or anything so yeah. Yeah, we've had people with like a hamster. Yeah, I mean a hamster doesn't really bother me because you can. Yeah, at least it's in a cage. Um, anything that's small enough to be in a cage and is in a little baby like hand carrying case doesn't really bother me. Yeah, but Um, it's like, do you want that at a restaurant? You know, like near food. If they're in their own table and they're not going in the kitchen, it doesn't really bother me. Well, what if one of the employees needs their emotional support? Well, that's a little different. That is a little different. That's true. Mm-hmm. That would you would look so ridiculous. Hi, my name is Bess, and I'm gonna be your waitress. Don't mind my little oh, hamster my- here. <laughs> support. I mean, I don't mean to poke fun at people who need these things, but yeah. that would be so silly. It would be weird. You'd have to explain it to everyone you met. Right. You know, oh, this is just my little peacock. Don't mind him. <laughs> <laughs> He's shadowing today. He's training. <laughs> Oh yeah, he's training to be a waiter. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. So well, that was a great topic. Check out our Instagram and Facebook at this is the part I don't get. And as always, please email us anything that you don't get at the part I don't get at gmail.com. Peace out, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye.